folks, welcome back to Are Your Parents Proud of You? I'm your host, Matthew Schufrider, and today, it's just me. Uh, Connor is on sabbatical, don't you worry, she'll be back pretty soon. But uh, I have a special opportunity to talk to Kelly Garrett, who is a fellow Columbia College alumni. She is a playwright from Chicago, but she now resides in Santa Monica. Her play, Space, is being produced for the Columbia College 2019-2020 main stage production. It is the season opener and now opens on, on October 16th and runs till the 27th of October. I was able to spend just a couple minutes with Kelly to talk about the play and the experiences of writing the play. So, sit back and relax. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Matthew. Thank you so much for doing this. You're welcome. Yeah, so how has the process been so far? you uh for space yes um the production process i have to admit i've not been fully involved in i did come in a couple weeks ago shortly for rehearsals Mm -hmm. and um it looks like it was going like rehearsals go for a really big play um actors are getting stretched and lots of new discoveries and it was nice to revisit a play that i finished probably let me think uh, a decade ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. What made you want to come back to it, you think? Well, it wasn't my idea per se. It really was Brian. Brian Shaw, the director, asked if I had a play that I wanted to submit. I sent him a couple of plays, and out of that submission, Space was selected. So I was really happy about that, and um, then uh, the whole thing started going. Wow, okay. Um, and what do you think about Brian that you felt comfortable giving him your work with? Well, in this case, to be completely honest with you, it was because Brian wanted to do the play. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody else was clamoring to do it. I've had a long developmental process in the play with, in, with the play in the past, uh, particularly in New York City, where I wrote the play. Um, and I did some workshops with a couple of companies like Labyrinth, um, for instance, the Black Theater Festival. Um, and just, you know, Brian wanted to do it and we talked and we, well, we actually met up and talked about what his vision of the play was. And um, I answered questions that he had, gave my opinions about what I thought the play was conceptually and just let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, were you okay? Uh, sorry, well, let me rephrase my question. How did you feel about this play being performed by college students? Do you think that changed anything about it, or do you think it brought something new to it? Well, the thing about the thing about it is, is with college students, because I was a college student here, and I remember well this room. I actually used to, or we used to be in 411, where we had Acting 4 with Sheldon Patinkin and Norm Holly. Anyway, I was having a flashback. <laughs> um, I was okay. I mean, look, it's, you know, the purpose of being a student actor is to learn. Yeah. And I definitely felt like it's a play that would stretch them. Um, certainly, this means that as young people, they'll make a lot of new discoveries. Mm-hmm. Um because of the historical ramifications of the play and that it's framed around these major historical events, the Mississippi floods of 1927 and Hurricane Katrina 2005. Uh, And it's a nonlinear play. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just big, you know, 
Um, so definitely felt like, hey, I'm fine with it. You know, I understand the context and the parameters. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, reading the play, um, I was getting a lot of Terrell McCraney vibes for it. Oh. I got a lot of brother-sisters vibes. I was learning about it from Brian in one of his classes last semester. Okay. And I was focusing a lot about with Marcus and the Secret Suite. And to me, that felt like a lot of how water and nature became a character of its own. And obviously, we're talking about historical events in this play as well. But do you think nature, and specifically water, are characters to follow in this play? Uh, I certainly think that water and nature feature prominently. Whether they are characters, I don't know if I would place it in that specific sense. If you mean that there's definitely a man versus nature theme, there's absolutely that. Um, Man versus society, man versus history. Um, So, yes, I think that they have symbolic and like liter- literal impact. Mm-hmm. There's a question in the play that really I stopped and thought about, which was, I think it was the character of teacher. Yeah. When they asked, um, why is it that we feel compelled to speak of things about which we car- carry a little understanding? Was, what made you want to ask that question? Did you think about that a lot yourself? Sure. Well, I think that partly with teacher and partly with being a teacher is that you actually learn more than your students. Mm -hmm. And there is always the question for me that we probably don't know what we don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that one of the striking things about a character like teacher, that he is a man, that he's poor, that he's black that he's articulate, that he's probably an autodidact. Um, He uh, speaks with authority, particularly when he's speaking to Jocasta. Um, But at the same time, he has a great deal of humility about his circumstances, and he's frankly a a weird and idiosyncratic character um, whom I like very much. so yeah, I, I think that that is a question that should always be asked. Why do we feel compelled to speak about things of which we know nothing? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, talk about the origins of this play. What made you want to write this play? Where were you during this time when you wanted to write it? Well, I was severely impacted by the visuals of Hurricane Katrina 2005. And one of the things that prompted me was when I was watching a lot of the news coverage, I was shocked by how blatantly racist it was and um, that this was a situation that was uh, putting primarily black and poor people in peril. Mm -hmm. And I remember watching a scene um, where a man was recounting how he lost his love and they were on the roof, and he tried to hold her, and he said, I, I, I can't hold you. I, he said, hold on, hold on. And she's like, you can't hold me. You can't hold me. Take care of the children. And she was swept away. And all in shock, he's just talking to the journalist, and he said, I, I couldn't hold her. I couldn't hold her. 
Um, and that impacted me deeply on a gut, emotional, like visceral level. And then to see how people were being quadrant off and prohibited from moving out of places of danger, not being allowed to go into other parishes to seek what is a word that comes up in the play, succor, mm-hmm. safety, um, shelter. Mm-hmm. They were being pushed back by white vigilantes, armed white vigilantes and police officers and left stranded. And then, of course, you know, the whole thing with being left in the dome. Um, and that people were being treated as if they were migrants, but mm-hmm. they're citizens and they needed help and no help was coming. Do you think this, it almost seems like this play is appropriate for its time, would you agree? For the time we live in right now? Yeah, I think that that's the, you know, not to be arrogant, but I think that that's the case with a lot of plays, mm-hmm. um, especially good plays. <laughs> <laughs> Which is is is, is it? <laughs> I yeah, I think it's a good play. I also think it's a crazy play. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the play is for its time because history is ongoing for us, and we're constantly re-experiencing episodes of our history. Yeah. Which is why then I started doing a lot of research on the floods, and I found so many parallels. And then I was really struck too by. The complicity of the the uh, the government through the Army Corps of Engineers and you know capitalists who constructed the levees so poorly that they couldn't possibly have been thinking about long term um, benefits for you know human survival and more about short term benefits for people to fill their coffers. Mm-hmm. Where do you expect, what do you want, sorry, audiences, audiences leave, leaving this show? Do you want them to feel angry? Do you want them to feel sad? What, what, what are the emotions you think you want the audience to feel at? Yeah, I'm not really into telling people how to feel. Okay. You know, that's not my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I, certainly I want them to feel something, yeah. right? Um, because I think ultimately, like Toni Morrison said, she writes the books that she wrote the books that she wanted to read. Mm-hmm. I write the plays that I want to see. Um, and so I'm, I just, I wrote the play. It's up to other people what their experience will be. Yeah. But in all things, of course, you know, wouldn't it be better if we all had open minds? Yeah. You know, and went into any kind of experience. Uh, with an open mind and in good faith, ready to learn something. And then maybe we wouldn't always feel compelled to talk about things about which we know nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what kind of theater interests you? That's a good question. Um, the kind of theater that interests me usually is theater that is evocative on some level, visually impactful theater that takes risks, theater that's innovative. I'm always interested, however, not in stating how theater should be, although I feel like sometimes I still do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to see theater that obviously makes me question, that shakes me, um, 
their playwrights and theater experiences that I've had looking at Carol Churchill's Far Away, um, uh, early work by Regina Taylor that was directed by Shirley Jo Finney at the Goodman, probably before you were born. Um, uh, the work of Romeo Castellucci. Um, I like a lot of different kind of work. Mm-hmm. Was what, um, like you said before, you were a student at Columbia. Yes. Um, what do you remember your time being? Was the goals you have now very different from when you started? It was a different time, you know. I mean, yeah. we were just. Um, How do I explain this? Uh, our expectations were different. Um, I think that we were all sort of, for the most part, uh, a bunch of, well, it was a bunch of kids from the suburbs, and it was some city kids. Mm-hmm. And we all got together, and we were sort of, you know, we were kind of impolitic, and kind of, we crossed a lot of boundaries, and, you know, we did a lot of weird stuff. Uh, things that you're not supposed to do now because then you'd get written up and maybe suspended. Oh. Um, yeah, we did all... We, we were... We, it was a different time. <laughs> um, so we... I felt like I felt like I had a real talent for theater. I felt like I had a real talent for performance. So I was blindingly optimistic. And so certainly where I am now is not necessarily where I ex- expected myself to be, only because at... 19 or 18, I wasn't really, I didn't have knowledge of the world, you know, Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Um, Theater is not a place where you go into it with the hope of being, um, and I know that this is contrary to an American sensibility because a lot of art in the States is made for money. Um, Theater but in the end, theater is not really a lucrative enterprise. What theater ultimately does is give you a way to see the world. Mm-hmm. And that's actually a gift. It's not necessarily a gift that will you know, pay the bills, um, which is why the benefits of a liberal arts education is good. Uh, flexibility of the mind is really important. So, no, I'm not necessarily where I thought I would be, but I know that ultimately I'm a better artist Mm -hmm. because of the life that I've lived. And the training that I received here was real, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, I'll do do two more questions. Sure. Um, You do live in California now. I live in Santa Monica. Yeah. Do you see a difference in culture and art as opposed to Chicago? God, yes. I mean, I've, you know, I mean, I've lived all over the country. I spent a great deal of time living on the East Coast as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, look, the entertainment industry is driven in in uh, California in a completely different way. So that's not the same thing as um, what is in the Midwest, where there's such a a sense of people being hard workers. Um, people are more, are, are kind of uh, tough, you know, in a way. Listen, in California, the sun shines, everybody's outside, you can somehow, you can be just a little bit disillusioned, you know, you can live on the beach. I mean, there are people who come there to do that. I mean, I'm, 
you know, as much as I want to be cosmopolitan, there's a part of me, my Midwestern provincialism, which is like, what? You want to live outside? <laughs> um, so, I mean, there's a different thing. And that industry is driven by what are the monetary outcomes? You know, um, someone I used to know said he had a meeting in uh, Hollywood and they told him, we make movies here. If you want to make films, go to Europe. So there's a different sense. So theater exists in a different way. Um, there are large houses, the Geffen, the Taper. But generally, the Taper, Goodman, Steppenwolf, the Guthrie, they're all going to do the arena. They all kind of are in the same vein of work. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they trend through the same playwrights. Um, so in that sense, there are commonalities yeah. in terms of how the theater is made. Mm. Um, as we wrap up, um, you as an artist, what are you driven by? With all these plays that you have done and all these uh, device pieces that you've done, wh- what, is, what is your drif- drive? Well, um, I wish I had devised more. I did work devising with a wonderful group of people from uh, two people from London at the Walker Arts Center a few years ago. And that was really an interesting experience to understand these kinds of methodologies where people come together, comprise a collective, and then decide on what their practice is, which is really important. Um, You just asked me, okay, what kind of theater, what what drives me, you're asked. I suppose I'm driven by my concerns. Mm -hmm. So I have things that I care about, questions that I want to ask. But I'm also driven by my own sense of beauty and how do I want to see things arranged on a stage. I mean, I'm really profoundly so into theater as um, this kind of ephemeral place where people can come together and make something beautiful and, and turn a space into a multi-dimensional space and create spectacle and, you know, recite language and feel, you know, um, without being sentimental, without being, um, how do you say, without being uh, self-centered, you know. I think the job is, to quote Jimmy Baldwin, it's to... to, um, Ask the questions that the answers have buried. And I think you did with this play. <laughs> I hope. I hope so. Or yeah. at least a couple of questions. Yeah, well, Space now opens at Columbia College and now runs to the 27th. Yes. It is directed by Brian Shaw and is written by my guest today, Kelly Garrett. Kelly, thank you so much for having some time to talk to me and break a leg and have a great rest of your run. Thanks, Matthew. Thanks for having me. Of course. Well, how about that? My thanks to Kelly for spending a couple minutes talking to me, and please go see Space. It is now running till October 27th at the Columbia College Theater Department. Tickets are free for students and $15 for the general public. If you like more information, go to www.colum.edu slash tickets. My thanks to Kelly and Brian for arranging this small get-together, and also to Griffin McCorgle, our 
special effects supervisor. Thank you, Griffin, because without you, I wouldn't be what I am today, which is a 22-year-old man stuck in an 80-year-old man's body. And on that note, thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more, uh, you can like us on Facebook and Instagram at Parents Proud Podcast and our SoundCloud website, which is www.soundcloud.com slash Parents Proud Podcast. I am Matthew Schufreiter, and we'll talk to you later. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.